Hey folks, it's John from A's for Alcoholic again. Today's guest is Colin S. I met him last year, last November, when me and a friend went down to Joshua Tree to go run a half marathon. And when I introduced myself to him and told him what we were doing, he said, what are you doing that for? You know they got cars around here, right? <laughs> so we've been in touch since then, on and off, a couple times, and I asked him if he wanted to be on the podcast, and uh, I finally made the effort and got him uh, on to talk about sobriety, to talk about recovery, to talk about all kinds of stuff, and I think the thing that I really appreciate about his story is that it's the overarching message is that it's time to cut the bullshit and do the work. And I can really appreciate that. And even I need that from time to time. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Colin S. Basically, I just wanted to kind of hear your share from that one time, like that night that I just randomly showed up because I had nothing to do. And I, it like, it was so awesome to hear you, to hear you speak. And it really struck a chord with me, you know. I have no idea when that was. <laughs> it was like in November. It was in November. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I can't I mean, remember last week. Dude. You're killing me. That's not a problem. <laughs> no, you don't. I'm not asking you to recreate it. I mean, we just I just want to have a conversation about you know about your your journey, how alcohol has affected your life, and how recovery and um, Jesus. And sobriety has brought you here where you have been other places and, you know, could have ended up other places. So this is a 12-hour thing then, right? <laughs> <laughs> I am happy to let you talk as long as you want. We usually keep it under an hour, but... Um, <laughs> what time is it? Oh, we better put a timer on. <laughs> so, I mean, it's Shit. currently, it's one oh two, But, you know, it's more of like, it's kind of like a share, but it's more of a conversation you know, um, I mean, our, our whole, our whole podcast is, it's, it's not AA, obviously I'm not interested in promoting AA cause that's not what we do. So it's more just, you know, I have a lot of people on different people who have done it without rehab, without AA who have done, right. you know, gone through refuge recovery and things like that. And so it's mostly just people's personal. What stories. did you say? Refuge recovery. It's a Buddhist, um, uh, based and they always talk about this is sort of adjacent to whatever else your program is and it's very loose and flowy and there's a lot of meditation and I remember Where did going you do that? Like I did LA the here, no I did one here in in Sonoma in Petaluma you know uh, they have where, where are you a uh, Sonoma so I'm up uh, like an hour oh, north Washington? of San Francisco yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no oh, I'm in, wow. in California Oh, Sonoma, like uh, like Napa Valley. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I remember. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. I've been through there a couple times. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of weird and flowy. And I came home and I told my girlfriend, I said, there's not a lot of structure there. I don't know how these people are going to stay sober. And she's like, no, John, you're the one who needs the structure. <laughs> like, And I was like, oh, okay. It's me. You know, I'm sitting there, you know, passing judgment on these people who are just trying to get some relief. And I was like, oh, no. I'm the one who can't handle his own life. <laughs> so I don't know. So I just really kind of wanted to get your perspective on things and, you know, where it started for you, like addiction and alcohol, you know, how it struck your life early, later. Um, yeah, I would say if I was going to go there, it would uh, be 
my earliest memories of my childhood were of like my mom was like screaming at the top of her lungs throwing Carlo Rossi you know the little wine bottles with the little you could like mm-hmm. tip it up and yeah she used to throw those at me and scream and then she would like leave for weeks on end so that was kind of like my first memory and uh, I shouldn't say weeks like I think the longest I was ever alone was maybe like a week week and a half but that was when I was like seven or eight Mm-hmm. And and then I used to steal food from my aunt and uncle because they lived like, you know, 10 acres or 15 acres away. But they were like, they were like normal, weird people, I guess. They didn't want kids. They they like raised show horses in Norco. And, you know, we moved to Paris and uh, right next to Riverside on uh, highway on the other side of Highway 74. Now I live in you know, Palm Desert is the other side, but I live in Joshua Tree, but yeah, so um, I lived over there, and they, it was, that's what I can remember about that, and then, like, my dad died when I was little, and he was an alcoholic, and I remember going to the bar with him and playing Centipede, which now, as an adult, I have an arcade Centipede game, which is weird, but uh, so I remember doing that, and then, like, uh, but he died actually ironically coming back from the Betty Ford clinic, um, trying to get sober. So that was interesting. And then, uh, I think I was like four or five when that happened. And then, no, I was eight when that happened. They got a divorce when I was four and then I was eight years old when that happened. And I started going to my cousin's house in Colorado a lot, mm-hmm. uh, because I used to like go summer, like go to summer with my dad but he lived with my grandmother because, and I know this is getting like a lot of detail, but we, he gave us his house and then he moved in with his mother, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. And so when he died, they didn't know what to do with me. So they were like, well, we'll just take him. Like it never even happened. And like, so every other weekend I was going to my grandmother's house. And then in the summertime I was going to my cousins and she was like, she's like three or I think she's four, four, maybe four or five years older than me. And, uh, she was a teenager and I was like, when around when my dad died. So, um, I would go with her to her friend's house. And of course they smoked cigarettes and drank and, and smoked weed and, and, uh, and, uh, listened to tears for fears and, and, uh, you know, hits from the big chair, you know, and, and, uh, just stupid shit like that. And, and, uh, we would get high and, and I would go buy them cigarettes because I was so young that no one ever really questioned me. And they had the quarter machines at the bowling alley and she was all, and her, okay, this is fucked up too. So her dad died too. So that we bonded. You know what I mean? Cause her dad had died and my dad had died. So we both bonded over that. And then the, and then the, so she was the only one that could say this shit to me. And, and when, cause I, I've said this before in meetings and I've heard people gasp and I've heard my, my, even my, my wife was like, what the hell? But she said, if anybody asks you what you're doing, tell them you're buying them for your dad. And like, so, and I was like, all right, cause no one's going to fuck with you. Right. And like, and, and I was, I had balls, you know, and I was usually drunk or high, so it didn't even matter. And, um, so that was that. And then, uh, the one thing that really kind of caught me about alcohol is like when I first started drinking it, cause they had a, 
you know, a house in Colorado that have basements and, and uh, my step uncle, her father, her stepdad, right. He had a, a, like, like vending machines. Like, so there was like sodas and candies and there was uh, alcohol and fucking porn. And this guy just had everything cool in his basement that he would sell. And, but dude, I was down there fucking rummaging, you know? So um, I remember getting drunk on that stash and going to pick up my cousin at the bus stop. And this guy was talking shit to her. And mind you, these people are like four years older than me. And I just squared up on the dude and just started beating the crap out of him. And I was like, I've made it, you know, and I was, I no longer was this <clears throat> fat, awkward, you know, introverted kid with all these issues. I was the superhero that saved my older cousin and raw, you know, so, so that kind of just kicked it off, honestly. And which is funny because I, I haven't talked to her since I was a teenager. And last year I went on vacation and stopped at her house and she doesn't do anything. Like, she doesn't drink. I don't think she drinks. I didn't see any alcohol there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they don't smoke weed or anything. Like, she married a – he's like a punk rocker, but he's a, a teacher. You know what I mean? They're kind of square. And, like, I did not – I did not go that route. So, like, when I told her what happened, she was like, oh, my God. Like, and because I just went off another way. And mm-hmm. uh, it just – it, it kind of made me forget about – like, most people talk about like I didn't have to concentrate on reality like my dad was dead my mom was a piece of trash like you know like I I literally scrounged for food and like you know what I mean didn't have any friends and was kind of a dirt ball and like so it just you know there was just so much going on that I could just go and be alone and not have to worry about anything in the world you know and so it just kind of kicked it off from there that was like honestly what started and maintained you know drugs and alcohol i mean i would do anything to get high i would huff paint gas like fucking whatever it didn't matter it didn't matter whatever would take Mm -hmm. me away from reality until it got like to a bad trip and then i'd be like oh fuck i won't do that again and then i'd go find something else but i never stopped doing drugs because of a bad trip i just quit doing that drug specifically like you know from we you know in aa it talks about we switched from scotch to brandy you know i switched from you know mescaline to whatever you know (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i never did heroin i was always afraid of needles and then one of the times i was in jail i think the last time actually when i was just like i'm done with this shit um a dude with a heroin addict we called him team h because they'd walk around in circles all depressed and shit and uh, I was like, yeah, I never got into it. I did pretty much everything else, but I was afraid of needles. And the guy was like, oh, you could have smoked it. And I'm like, well, I'm glad no one fucking told me that or I'd be screwed. <laughs> like, I'd have been a heroin addict too, you know? So, you know, I just, I think I dodged, like I, in my opinion, like a lot of people hear my story and they're like, oh my God, it's horrible. But for me, I dodged so many huge, whoa, so many huge bullets that, you know, like just that kind of thing. Like, because I know me, I would have been like, Oh, this is great. And I would have just kept doing more until I died. You know, like I never really got into drugs that could kill me. I think. Okay. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like I do, I kind of dodged a bullet. Like I did all of the other drugs, but not like, you know, I never shot up because I was afraid of needles. And honestly, I'm glad because I probably would have overdosed, you know, Mm. because I've, I've alcohol poisoning myself a couple few times. So, yeah, you know, too. I mean, I, you know, so I do everything to extreme, right? Like 
if my motorcycle does 150, I'm going to try to see if I can get it to 153, you know, like, and, and that's just, I'm still like that. And it's been in September, it'll be nine years. And I'm still like, well, let's just go faster, jump higher. And I'm like, you know, when is that going to go away? You know, like, mm. <laughs> you know, am I going to have to like really hurt myself because I'm already hurt, you know, like, so from doing a lot of dumb stuff, but, but I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Alcohol and drugs. Like I said, I, I missed, I think I, I dodged a few major bullets when I, and I know people that died, you know, I know yeah. lots of people that died. And so I don't know why I didn't die. I honestly couldn't tell you. <laughs> like, you know, there's no, I don't think I have any greater purpose on this planet. Like, I'm sure there's a lot better off people than me to keep around. Like, I don't know. I'm People, you know, they, I don't, I don't want to dog anybody or anything, but I'm not a real big praying guy and, and uh, I'm not a real big God guy. You know, I, uh, I have a lot of immense faith in the program and, you know, the science behind it and the herd mentality and the, you know, all those, you know, the therapeutic weapon that it is, how it talks about in the medical, you know, uh, view on, on medicine, the medical view in AA on what is it, 500 and some change back there. But mm-hmm. it just, I, the science is too much, you know, it works for me. And the, and the, the millions of people that have got sober everywhere, you know, on, on all kinds of different things. Like some do religion, some do like you were talking about the Buddhist thing earlier. Some do, you know, there's all, I, I, I hear about new stuff all the time. Jesus. I moved up to up North in California. There's a thing called celebrate recovery and i had no idea what it was and i walked in and it was a full-on church meeting and i was like wait whoa what what and they were like oh yeah we love jesus and i was like oh okay and they're like you know jesus i was like well not personally but i mean (laughs) i studied the books and you know and they were like what do you mean and i was like well calvary chapel found it uh, necessary to ordain me you know like so i i I get it but no i never had a personal relationship (laughs) I felt bad for telling other people they had to, you know, like, so I was like, I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> So when you're younger, like, when did, when do you going through like, say high school um, was and those, those ages being a teenager, when did you find problems really starting to arise? You know, you talked about jail and stuff like that, but I mean, it's, it always I seems never, fun at first, right? I, I don't, <sighs> I never really made it to high school. I mean, I okay. did, but it was an accident. Like, uh, my dad was dead. My mom and I didn't talk. Uh, I was in junior high at my grandma's house because my mom was going to send me to Cal Farley's Boys Ranch in Amarillo, Texas, when I was like eight or nine, right after my dad died. They mm-hmm. fought all the way till custody until he died. And then as soon as he died, she was like, all right, I'm going to get rid of him. So like, you know, that's, yeah, that's what we're dealing with. So, so my grandma was like, well, I'll take him. So, you know, he doesn't go to boys ranch or whatever. And then of course, just drugs, alcohol, you know, the dad dying, the lack of parental supervision. My grandma's old as hell. I'm in um, Orange County, like little Saigon area you know, Brookhurst and uh, Bolsa Chica, Brookhurst and uh, Edinger, those areas, uh, Fountain Valley, stuff like that. And I'm just running amok in Santa Ana and just, you know, all over the fucking place. And uh, so uh, what happened was 
one time I pushed it too far or something and, and I was down the street, but I had like quote unquote runaway. Uh, I was on drugs. I was uh, actually doing meth at that time. And uh, I got caught up with the wrong kind of dudes and, and uh, was <laughs> selling drugs to a few different gangs. And uh, I got into drugs and therefore, so I started doing more than I was selling and we know the story, right? So <clears throat> I had run away from the people, but forgot to tell my grandma that I was alive. So she basically had to call my mom because, you know, at that point it was like, well, just, I don't know where this kid's at. He's been gone for 10 days or so. And, and uh, so my mom came and I saw her car and she had like a little tan shitty Ford Escort. And I was like, oh no, I'm done, dude. And like <clears throat> the girl that I was staying with was like, what? And then a couple hours later, the bomb squad came because I don't know if you're familiar with the anarchist cookbook. A little bit. A little bit. Okay. Well, I just about made everything that was in the first two or three editions, including the drugs and the weaponry and every, all these other cool things that you do mm -hmm. when you're on drugs. And and, uh, and so there was a shed in the backyard in Fountain Valley across from David L. Baker Golf Course, you know, uh, downtown Fountain Valley, uh, Mile Square Park. And the bomb squad came and took all my shit. <laughs> so I got scared and I ran to Joshua Tree uh, because I had lived here when I was, you know, earlier uh, in sixth grade, you know, fifth grade, since like the 80s, early 80s, I lived here. And so I ran back here because I didn't know where else to go. And I was like, well, the desert's desolate. I can hide there because I thought, you know, for sure, I'm a huge criminal and they're going to send everybody to look for me because I'm paranoid. I'm on drugs and I'm drinking. And, uh, and I'm like, I think that that was after Boys Ranch. Yeah, so in there, somehow I got sent to Boys Ranch. And I don't know. I mean, it would take me forever to figure it out. But somewhere, I ended up having to go to Boys Ranch anyway. And so basically, I'm in Boys Ranch for, you know, a few years. And uh, that was, uh, that was just, I mean, I did not make a good situation out of that i could have i mean there's plenty of opportunity i you know i learned how to drive tractor trailers and tractors and did ffa and and entomology and and all these things but i was just i was forced to do it basically because i was just a jerk and um you know i was still smoking cigarettes and you know you'd get you know they'd make alcohol or they get weed every once in a while and you know so I'm just every once in a while when I can, or you're dipping, you know, and, and uh, which destroyed my mouth. And um, so <clears throat> Boys Ranch happened. Uh, eventually I found out that if you act crazy enough, they'll send you to this like mental place in, in Amarillo called Quest. And it, you know, it was Quest Teen or whatever for the kids, but they'll send you there. And then usually they'll send you home or whatever, you know? And so I went there for, I think, 90 days. It was quite a while. And I played the game, you know, and, uh, and um, to try to get out. And then they said, oh, well, they're going to send you back to Boys Ranch because your parents don't give a fuck. And <laughs> so I was like, well no and so like as soon as they opened the little door with the electromagnet I was gone and I ran away 
and I made it all the way to somewhere BFE, New Mexico, and uh, and just kind of ran out of food and juice and, you know, just ran out. And so I just got on the freeway and hitchhiked back to Amarillo and walked into the place and was like, what's up? And they were like, yeah, Boys Ranch not taking you back. They're, they're flying you to California. So, and I was like, well, if you guys are lying, I'm going to murder everybody. Cause at that point I was done, you know? And so mm-hmm. they were like, no, 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 you're staying in the little hospital and they're shipping you out of here. And so I went back to California and ended up, you know, I, my mom wouldn't pick me up or anything. And so I ended up at uh, the little retreat center down there for, uh, uh, Calvary Chapel in uh, Sky Valley Desert Hot Springs and stayed there for a couple of years and worked and couldn't do it and moved to a shed in Joshua Tree and just continued drinking and and uh, somewhere around there I turned 18 and, and uh, evidently my dad had stashed away something somehow I got some money and so they gave a kid who never had like more than a hundred bucks like a hundred thousand dollars uh, what do you think I did? Wow. So yeah, it didn't, didn't take long, but I mean, I, I made it last, I think maybe a year and a half, two years, maybe, maybe like I'm thinking more like a year to a year and a half, you know, <laughs> just, just whatever, bro did whatever. Just think of something. I did it, you know, and, and, uh, what do poor kids with money and drug habits do, you know? And, uh, so bought a bunch of cars and, and had a bunch of fun and, had like warehouses full of weed that I was growing and just crazy shit. <laughs> and then, uh, ran out of money, uh, quit drinking several times in there. Like I would like, I'm, I was very periodic, like, but a binge or periodic guy. Like I would like, I would have a real bad bender and I would swear it off forever. And, and, and then I'd be like, well, it was because, you know, I drink, 24 beers and did a bunch of cocaine and then started drinking alcohol and that's why you know there's this case that I had to spend $20,000 to beat so I didn't go to jail and I mean it just it got ridiculous like and it, it just it and then I would stop and and uh whatever I did a bunch of things with a bunch of people that you're not supposed to associate with like from Mexico and, mm-hmm. and you know and so it just got to be a real big headache real fast and like it, it just everything was always out of control and I fancied myself the guy that could like fix the problems right like if you had a problem with this gang and because of that like I'll go fix it for you right and like just because you know and and uh I, dude, a fix it fairy, you know what I mean? But I was like the worst one to do it because I was angry and on intoxicated and had weaponry and just was like the wrong guy for everything. <laughs> Literally. So, so you're working in fan. between Mexican gangs and, and ones in just California and kind of doing whatever. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Strange things that <laughs> like, whatever it, weird stuff. So we were doing weird things and I was always known as the guy that would never steal your drugs. And always, if it was a million and one dollars, it would be a million and one dollars when it got there, you know, like, because I, I was, I was honest, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like the honest drug dealer guy, you know, and I would just help you out. And like, I, I don't know what the hell was wrong with me, dude, like, but it was literally like, I was a fix it fairy. And like, I thought, 
I can do all these horrible things as long as I help people and it's okay, right? Because it's okay. I'm a good person. You know, like you run into those people all the time. Like you hear them all the time. They come in and they're new and they're like, I was, I'm a good person. I don't understand why all this is happening to me. And it's like, dude, you're a fuck up bad. And, and that was me, you know, like, and, and I didn't even see it. I didn't even see it. That was the weird, sick, twisted thing about it is I never saw how messed up I really was. And that, and that, dude, like that was heavy. When I saw that, it like, it knocked me down so many pegs that like I literally was walking around my town just bawling, like drinking a bottle, just crying, waiting for someone to talk shit to me so I could either beat them up or get beat up. Like I was just so destroyed, you know, and, and that was the, that was after I got married, it was right around and all this stuff that we're talking about. I got married and had a kid and thought, well, this will be fine and this will fix me and I'll finally have a family that loves me and they have to love me because they're my family, no matter what. Well, that didn't work out. So <clears throat> I had a kid, you know, um, about about the time that I came to AA the first time I uh, was walking around and the only reason I didn't know anything about it. Um, but my ex-wife's mom was in it. She's still in it. And, um, and uh, she was like, you need to go here or I'm leaving, you know? And, and I thought I was going to fix my life. Like little side note here. Like I was going to, I was going to move to Hawaii to fix my life okay and and honestly if i wasn't drunk i probably could have pulled it off because they wanted white people to go work because everybody else surfs and i don't surf and i don't fish so i would actually work all day and like so they were super excited these people wanted me to come work and and uh, you know do can uh like maintenance basically because i'm i was a construction worker for a long time and and they were all excited and, and, but I would have never made it. I would have never, made it. I would have drank for sure. And, uh, the, for me, drinking just destroys everything. It honestly mm -hmm. does. It's, it's, if we had more time, I could, I could show you, I could draw you a graph where my credit score drops and I'm in jail. Okay. And then like everything's shit. Right. And then when I don't drink, it goes like this and then it gets right about to even and I start pulling ahead a little bit and life looks pretty good. And I'm like, Oh shit, life's good. And I go back to jail. Like it just, it's like so ridiculous. Right. Because I can't handle, well, I couldn't handle any kind of peace or serenity. Mm -hmm. I had to have chaos at all times because if there wasn't chaos around me and other people's chaos, not mine, other people's chaos, I got to be in everybody else's shit. So I don't have to look at my own. And so, I mean, dude, it, it was so ridiculous. It was, it was sickening. Like I would, he, dude, I'd do it in jail. People be like, oh man, you're here, blah, blah, blah. Right. And they would, you know, call me by my, you know, call me by my street name and Hey, how's it going? And let's do this. And here you go. Let's, let's fix this and fix that. Cause you're the guy. And I would be like, hell yeah, I'm the guy. And I'd just be doing people dirty, you know, like, mm -hmm. but I'd come out on top and whoever was on my team, you know what I mean? So they were always stoked, but whoever else we're, you know, they, they didn't come out on top. And I made sure of that. It How was old weird. were you? How old were you the first time you went to AA? Uh, 20, maybe 23 or four, yeah. maybe. And it just 20, didn't stick. Oh, uh, well, I, I stayed for, uh, 
I actually stayed for, um, what was it, about a year and a half, almost two years, because what she said, she said, uh, if you go to AA, I'll stay. And I was like, oh, okay. And, and then she goes, and if it works, we'll go to Hawaii, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I went to AA, uh, I think a week into it, she left. And I was just like, well, that sucks. And she was like, well, I could come back. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And I stuck around AA for a while. And then after maybe six months, it was like a grudge. Like, well, I'll show her. And, you know, and, and I stayed for however long I stayed. And, and, uh, and I didn't do anything. You know what I mean? I went to meetings. I drank coffee. I bitched the whole time, you know. But I didn't do anything. Like, I just did that, you know. So, of course, it didn't work. I wasn't you know, who the fuck joins a 12 step program and doesn't do the 12 steps. I, I mean, what's the point? Like, you know, there's plenty of coffee houses, dude. Like you can go hang out at Starbucks <laughs> all day long and talk about politics or religion or whatever other outside issues you want to handle, you know, like, mm-hmm. but me, no, I piss people off. I'm too opinionated and mm-hmm. I don't really care what you think because you're not me. Like, you know, so I'm just like, well, that's your opinion. That's okay. You can be wrong. And then they get all, oh, you know, and I'm like, hey, I could be wrong. And they're like, well, you are. And I'm like, see, this is why we don't talk. You know, like, <laughs> it's why we don't do this. Dude. Like, and so to me, it's just annoying. But a lot of people do it. A lot of people go to meetings and they never do a step and they never read the book. And, and how freaking sad. Because there's so much information in there that it's like kind of ridiculous. And, and it, it'll probably make you sick if you don't want to look at yourself. Because you'll be reading about yourself from over 80 like what almost 90 years ago yeah and you're like oh this is me but but wait this was like when the depression was and how did he know who i am in 2020 and coronavirus right Mm -hmm. like yeah no it's because every alcohol it's the same like it's not that we're exactly the same you know but like hey we're the same color thread people always like to say well we're the same thread that makes up the same shirt i go dude so many threads here's a different one around the collar and then they cut it. And then here's a different one right here. And I go, but yeah, we could be all the same sweater, but we're not the same person. Right. That's why it's so open because if right. it wasn't open, it wouldn't be for me. Yeah. You know, like I, I kind of hung out with some pretty churchy people and they, a couple people got upset. They were like, well, if you don't have God, you know, you're not going to get sober. And that dude's dead. He literally went out like probably a year and a half after he told me that and drank himself to death. So <laughs> like I learned real quick not to judge other people for their whatever they do it's none of my business honestly yeah. why do I care if, are you happy yeah okay you're happy then cool like good for you but if you're not you might want to figure something else out you know like that's <laughs> it that's all I have to say like yeah I don't see how you could be upset about that but some people take it personally you know it's I don't know and that uh, first time in AA what happened that uh led you to leave it or <sighs> Oh, I honestly don't even remember. Well, okay, so I do remember. Um, there was a guy, uh, his name was Cam, and uh, he owned uh, <clears throat> five tattoo shops. And I was dating one of the lead artists at the tattoo shop in Yucca Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we ended up hanging out. I wouldn't say we were friends, but we hung out. And he was a hardcore alcoholic who had been sober for quite a while and then went back out and somehow still was holding it together enough to own five tattoo shops and have this house on the hill and 
you know, was married to Miss whatever she was, Miss Covina or whatever, right? Like, you know, the two Aryan children, right? Like, you know, he's telling, showing me his vast empire and, you know, we're overlooking Yucca Valley next to the waterfall at his backyard, you know, like, and uh, he's like, man, look, I got, you know, I did it and, you know, I'm drinking and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And uh, honestly, well, and I did no steps. I did no work in AA, but I also stopped at that point going to meetings. Mm. Okay. Cause the tat, I don't know if you've ever been around the tattoo world, but yeah. it's not the coolest thing to be sober. Right. I mean, of course, if you're getting a tattoo, yeah, you'd love your tattoo artist to be sober. And of course they are quote unquote, <laughs> right. sober, but they're not. I mean, a lot of them are, I'm not even going to lie, but, uh, but there's a vast majority that are not, or they just drink and they think that it's okay because it's legal or whatever. They smoke a bunch of weed or whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. like, but he was like, look, you know, and, and so, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, you know, it already was when I quit going to meetings, you already know right then that I was like you know, without doing any steps or anything like that, I was kind of already, now I see setting myself up for failure at that point. So basically I just stopped participating in sobriety at all. How about that? Does that, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so therefore it was just a matter of time before, you know, I was just going to drink. So with his, a little bit of talking and, and, you know, look at all I have, you know, like, I swear to God, I can almost relate it to, you know, when Jesus was on the mountain and, and you know, he was uh, fasting for his 40 days and, and uh, Satan came and said, look at all, look at this. You could have all of this, you know, if you just bow down before me. And I swear to God, I was like, damn, dude, that was crazy. That was like some Jiminy Cricket moment right there, dude. Like, you know, and, and but I did, I just went for it and was like, okay. And uh, eventually you know, the, the girlfriend that I was dating and living with, uh, she didn't want anything to do with me anymore. And then, you know, of course my job, one of my jobs also was at the tattoo shop. So that kind of killed that. And then, you know, so it just kept going and depression, depression. And of course, since this chick screwed me over, you know, I, I, I had to have my ex-wife take my son back because I had custody of my son at that point. And, uh, you know, but this chick screwed me over. So could you take him for a little while? And, you know, that ended up being <laughs> seven, eight years. So it just, yeah. And then it, you know, we don't need to go into the drunk log, but as the tumbleweed turns, you know, it, it, it you know, right into the ditch. So, right. And right. so this went and on so for went another, on for another eight years, eight years. Yeah. And that's a lot of jail time in there and a lot of, drug abuse, substance, uh, alcohol, a lot of mm. abuse too. And, you know, I don't know. I, I know uh, not physical, but just, just the way that it was, the way that I was like, I had like four or five girlfriends. I mean, they weren't girlfriends, but you know, I mean, just using people, you know, yeah. and like a few of them were using me as much as I was using them, but still my part in it was, is I was using women and, uh, you know, I'd stay over here and then they'd get irritated. Oh, fuck this chick. And I go stay over here. And like, you know what I mean? And <clears throat> for a long time. And then, uh, some real bad shit happened, um, where I was working at a diner and 
this chick that worked there had, and I didn't know this at the time, but had screwed just about everybody there. And she was coming after me because I was the new guy and wanted her son to get a job. This all came out later, of course, and wanted me to get fired so her son could get my job. This is a very small town, not a lot of jobs. <laughs> so, and uh, so basically we're all at a party and there was like 30 people there and she tried to cry rape when there was like 30 people there and she was wasted and I was wasted and was like, yeah, look at this bruise he gave me on my leg. But she literally crashed into a house on a dirt bike and it was on video. Like it was already on YouTube and shit. And so the cops were like, no, like took her, got a rape kit, everything and took me to jail. And, uh, they were like, no, like that never happened. And all the people in the house were like, dude, he slept on my floor next to my bed. Obviously it didn't happen. He snores like a fucking freight train. Like, and they were all mad at me for snoring, but yeah, this chick came two days later. And so that was a huge blow. And, and it really still to this day, that was, dude, that was like 12 or 13, 12, 11, 12 years ago. And it's still just, I mean, it still messes with me a lot, you know, like, and it's like, dude, that, that I was so close. Another dodged a bullet. Dude, I'd have, I'd have died in jail. I'd have died in jail yeah. for this chick. And then she lied in front of the DA and lied to a judge and chased me out of the courtroom and lied about that. And they had it on. They just, they almost threw her in jail for perjury. And like, that doesn't even really happen anymore, dude. Like, the judge is all, I've, I've never wanted to throw someone in jail so bad for perjury right now. And, like, I was just like, oh, my God. It was a lady judge, dude. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. So I got lucky again, you know. And But did I stop drinking? No. You know, I went to jail a bunch of times for a bunch of dumb shit. Went to jail for evading the police and doing over 160 mile an hour. And, you know what I mean? And, and like, it was, like, seven felonies and. I, with all my other court cases, I was supposed to be in jail for like uh, 20 years, 22, 23 years they were going to give me. And um, I, I just, I got a lawyer and, and it was the right lawyer. I went to the guy and, and I was like bawling and I was drunk and I was like just uncontrollably sobbing and was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Mexico. And he was like, you're going to go to Mexico? I was like, well, I work at a tattoo shop down there and you know, well, he's all, what about your kid? I was all, my kids speak Spanish. Like I'm ready to go. And, uh, he was like, man, you're going to throw your whole life away for this. And I was all, my whole life is going to be in jail. And he was like, man, if I can get you, he said, he said, I used to do cocaine all the time. And now I'm a lawyer. <laughs> and like right in the middle of like all of this, just, I looked at him and was like, what? And he was like, man, I had to go to cocaine anonymous and get my shit together. He was like, I'm going to get you enough extensions to see your kid for this summer. He was all, you need to like curb your drinking and start going to meetings and like get your shit together. And he was like, and I'll get you a couple years. And he was all, he was all, you know, you're looking at 20 something years in prison. And, and he goes, I'll get you a couple years. And so I, I started curbing my drinking and I started calling him all the time and tell him like, Hey, look, man, like I went from drinking, you know, 40, Coors Lights and doing coke and a huge bottle of Jägermeister a day to like to like six tall boys and then to three tall boys and I was like I'm stuck at three tall boys like I can't you know what I mean I'm like rationing my drinking out and like you know I'm, I'm smoking a lot of weed I'm trying to tell him like you know what are we going to do and he said well I'm going to get you this program and you're going to do less than a year 
and you're going to do county time so you can get it off your record and all this other shit. And I was like, are you serious? And he was like, yeah. So I went to jail and they kept giving me extensions. And I was like, just take me to jail. Just take, just take me to jail, dude. Like, <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. And so they just, they did, they took me to jail. They, they had no qualms with that. And um, I did like a, a year and some change on that one. And that was weird too, because I was supposed to get out and then uh, I didn't. And so I got angry and went through all these stages of grieving and depression and all these stages of anger. Right. And, uh, and uh, finally I got to acceptance and I was like, well, I mean, dude, they can't keep me any longer than whatever this was. That was my max sentence, you know? And I was like, man, they can't keep me any longer than that. And no shit. I think it was like that day or the next day they were like, all right, see you later. And just kicked me out. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, okay. So that was a real lesson in, in uh, acceptance, but that I didn't learn for several years. You know, I didn't see it. <laughs> I just was like, I'm out of jail, you know, like, but, but I didn't. And I almost drank right then, like literally drove down and I'd been going to AA meetings. The lady said she'd never seen anybody go to that many AA meetings in jail. Um, and I drove straight to AMPM to get cigarettes. Cause I was like, fuck that. I'm not going to quit smoking. I smoked in jail. And uh, so I was like, uh, went to AMPM to get cigarettes and went to go get something to drink and literally opened the thing and grabbed the Corona 22 and like touched it and it was wet. And I was like, whoa. And I like closed the door and was like, what the fuck? And went and grabbed a Gatorade, got my cigarettes and ran out to the car. And I told Jill, which is my wife, she was, well, my girlfriend at the time, but. I told her, I said, dude, man, I almost like grabbed a beer and she like looked at me and she's, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, I don't even fucking get it. I was like, let's just go, just go. And like, we just took off down the freeway and, and hauling ass and I was just so happy to be home. And at that point, man, I did uh, three to four meetings a day because it's like small town, no one's going to hire me. I'm fresh out of jail. So I did three to four meetings a day for like almost two years. So I, the math on that is it's a ridiculous amount of meetings. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, even at three, what, three times, what, a year is 365, shit, 15, 18, 19, shit. That's over a thousand meetings if I did three for a year, mm -hmm. which I did way more than that. And, uh, and, I, and it drove me crazy. I was ready to go out. I was ready to run out to the bar and just freaking dive headfirst into a, into a, a mug of beer. And, and it was cause once again, I didn't do any steps. I didn't do any work. All I did was sit in, you know, a couple thousand meetings and listen to people bitch about their problems. Because if you don't live in the solution, you don't hear the solution. You just hear bullshit. You're going to hear that dude bitching about his girlfriend. You're going to hear this guy bitching about his car. You're never going to hear solution. Your, your brain's just not wired for it. It's wired for chaos. So you're like, well, at least me. I'm talking about me. But, you know, it, it wasn't wired for, oh, listen to that old lady that has 30 years that says she does the steps like every couple years to keep her shit straight and how wonderful her life is and that she's never had it so good. I don't want to hear all that crap. I want to hear this dude bitching about his girlfriend. I want to hear how this program doesn't work. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear that one fucking guy in the crowd that says, this shit doesn't work. Get out of here. So I can go drink because I didn't do any of the work. So of course I'm just miserable, dude. 
discontented, you know, all the, all the drama. Right. So, <laughs> so after like, a, I think it was like a year and a half or something, two years, you know, and I, I just kept saying, well, you know, if I'm miserable, I'm just going to go drink. And then something hit me, like, you know, probably somebody told me, uh, they said, you know, if you're miserable, you're not working the program. And I went, fuck. And I went, yeah. And then there's that, well, if you're in the 12 steps, why aren't you doing 12 steps? And I went, oh, okay. All right. Okay. And then, uh, you know, I, I did the steps uh, with a guy, I did the steps with someone else. So, you know, I've done the steps three or four times. And I think, you know, between the three or four, I think I got the truth out. Like, because every time I've lied, <laughs> every single time, I'm not even going to tell you that I don't. Like if, if I feel that you're not going to accept this about me, I'm not going to tell you. And, and that's a character defect. It still is. I'm still working, working the program. Right. And, and so it takes a long time, you know, so I think now, like I said, it'll be nine, nine years in September 9th. And then, so for a couple of years, I moved up north and I didn't do any meetings because I didn't fit in at all. I just wasn't a Mexican farmer. And so I didn't fit in. And, and I had progressive ideas like, you know, gays and lesbians are humans too and, and shit like that, you know. So, so I, I just, yeah, and I was big, so they couldn't beat me up. So, like, they would just badger me, you know, until, and then I was like, okay, guys. And I went in the meeting one day and I was like, look, I'm done. You guys win. It's cool. Like, you know what I mean? And <laughs> I'm not going to come back to your meetings anymore. You guys can keep your Bible and all that shit. And, uh, and, uh, no one came outside to tell me any different. Let's put it that way. They were like, have a great day, asshole. Like, yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm so Cal or central Cal. It didn't work out. But so for a couple of years, I didn't go to meetings, but, but, uh, I did go to, uh, Atwater federal prison and, uh, into a maximum facility prison and hear fist steps from people that had murdered fools like and had like three or four life sentences and that shit that right there gives me tingles still to this day like like ah, dude like I literally just I don't know man like one time there was a like a riot and so we all got locked down and we're laying on the floor dude and I'm just crying because this dude's telling me his fist step and, I, and he's like what's up and I'm like you are more inspiration than you will ever know for anybody on the planet this guy's in here he's never gonna get out of prison never 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 no parole on five six life sentences or some shit dude like he has got like 400 and something years in prison and he is going out of his way to be good to come to an AA meeting because only five people can come out of a whole prison, five people. You know what I mean? Like they're probably just beating people up to go to AA meetings with that bitch, you know, like, and so for me, why would he do it? Why would he go out of his way? Why would he, why would he even care? You know what I mean? He's going to die in prison. He doesn't give a shit. Like he wasn't a Christian. He wasn't, he wasn't looking for any kind of absolution or, or, you know, he's going to go to heaven when he dies or any of that shit. It doesn't even matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Why is he doing it? You know, like, and I didn't ask, like, you know, I'm not going to ask him. I was like, right on, bro. And, you know, I was trying to be all like positive and shit. But in my head, I'm like, why does this guy give a shit? You know what I mean? And all I can think of is it's the feeling I have inside me right now. And like, 
nothing matters. Like, it was just like being high. You know what I mean? None of that shit matters, dude. Like, you could walk outside in your underwear and a crown, dude, and just no one, you wouldn't give a shit. You know what I mean? Because, because people, you don't care anymore what people think. And it's not in a bad way. People go, well, that's a bad attitude. I go, no, I just don't give a shit anymore. Like, I just, nothing really matters. Like, I get the no big deals, dude. Like, I've had huge shit happen in my life. And it's still like, okay, well, I made it through that. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you know, like, uh, I was a first responder for a long time. And, and, uh, you know, I still, I still am, I still pull over and help people and, you know, do all that. And, and uh, you know, I've saved a couple babies' lives, one, one dead baby uh, that I brought back to life that still fucks with me on a daily basis. And I just wonder like, like, you know, little things, you know, well, you know, was it, was I supposed to be there? I guess I was right. Like, and then, you know, did I bring this baby back? And you know, what if it has medical issues later in life? Cause it was dead. It was blue baby, you know, it's dead, you know? So cyanotic, you know, and, and it just, there's all kinds of things that have happened in my life, you know, just burning people and animals and just horrible, horrible things. And, and, you know, and then people are like thanking me and just telling me like, oh, we're so glad you came and helped us. And I'm like, you have no idea, you know, and, and just so there's a lot of shit in the world that that I've been put through in sobriety where, you know, personal things, work things, lack of work things. Just nuts, dude. I mean, I went back. I'm finishing up a bachelor's in psychology right now. I have a criminal justice degree. I have a fire science degree. I was, uh, I volunteered for CERT. I volunteered for feeding homeless people in Merced. I feed homeless people here. Uh, I pick up trash for feet for free last year. And this year I'm at 34 tons of trash, 500 tires, nails off the lake bed. Um, doing like a little nonprofit, but it's not a nonprofit cause I don't have enough money to make it that way. Uh, I mean, dude, like I just, it's been so fun so fun like so many different opportunities even though horrible shit's happened like that's life you know it's gonna happen yeah because you get yeah. sober doesn't mean that you're gonna be all 100 percent or all the time or everything's gonna be great you know like so i don't know man shit's happened but it always dude some horrible stuff happens like man i put in like six years into this fire department and the guy just let me go and I, you know, and I was like, Jesus. And I wasn't even like, I was only seasonal paid. So I was like volunteer half the time. And it was because of a conflict with another fire chief that like told me not to call the cops when some guy threatened to kill all my firefighters with a tractor. And I was like, uh, I have to call the cops. <laughs> like, uh, that's like 16 felonies. Like, I don't know what to say right now. And then I got let go. I didn't even get let go. They just stop talking to me <laughs> after like six or seven years of like working my ass off personally for the guy and like you know business wise and I mean it destroyed me it really did like it it got me good for almost a year and and I I started this picking up trash thing and was like well no one can tell me I can't pick up trash you know and they've tried believe me they've tried but every time I'm like hey hey um check this out. I'm gonna call my buddy Shane Newell over at the paper here and we're going to talk to him about it. They kind of just go away. Right. Right. It's, I mean, everything I do seems to be some kind of like headache, you know, and, and, uh, 
but every time if I get through it, it's a lesson learned and, and then, you know, I'm good. Like the whole fire thing led me to the desert cleanse project. And I mean, dude, I'm, I'm sponsored by Casey lights. You know what I mean? I can't even, I don't even know what that means. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm just like, Oh my God, they sent me more lights than my trucks worth. And I was just like, you know, you guys sent me like, I only paid like 500 bucks for this truck. You guys sent me $1,500 in lights, you know? And so, and I get to go do all these awesome things with them and, and uh, people from around the world. And it's just, dude, my life is such a gift. And I didn't even know. And I hated when people said that shit. I hated when people were like, you'll never know how good it is. And my life's so awesome today. I never knew I, I would have underpaid myself. I can every single one of those I can say with absolute purpose, like that has happened to me. And I hated when people said that shit. I wanted to beat them up, dude. Like I was so mad because I was like, it'll never happen. And they, you know, it's like, dude, what is it, man? At least 15 years, almost 20 years of drinking and destroying lives, man. And I, and I, you know, and I want to, I want it today. I want a peace and serenity now. If I don't get it now, I want it, you know, I'm quitting this program. Like it's such BS, dude. It, it really is. Like I, people ask me why I pick up trash today. And this is my standard answer. Cause I was supposed to be in prison for 20 years. I was like, I've been out doing good, trying to do good for almost nine. I got 11 years left doing good shit, and then I can quit. But you know what's going to happen? It's going to become a habit, and then I won't quit. And I'll be doing it for the rest of my fucking life, and I'll be poor as shit because I'm always giving my money or my stuff away to people that have less than me. And they're just like, why? And I'm like, did you not hear 20 years in prison? Have you ever even been to jail? Like, I have people go to jail for three days, and they, like, freak out. It's the worst experience of my life. And I was like, you didn't even make it to the jail. You were at the substation. You never even made it to jail. And then you got to make it to the big kid jail after that jail. Like, dude, yeah, it, was, it takes months to get to jail. <laughs> and you got to meet new people. And, oh, yeah, it's such a pain in the ass, dude. And the motherfucker's stealing everything from you. And you got to beat somebody up so you don't get stolen. And, like, oh, man, it's ridiculous, dude. It's yeah. so ridiculous. That's why I know everybody there. So now I can just go and be like, oh, hey. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what is the Desert, is the Cleanse, Desert project? Cleanse Project? The Desert Cleanse Project is one day, well, I've been picking up trash with my aunt and uncle, the people that I was talking about. They're, uh, they've been rangers and all this their whole lives. So we're, we've been picking up trash and doing trail maintenance and stuff like that my whole life. Well, when I moved, I was doing uh, helping the homeless in Merced, California. And uh, that was with um, Servant's Heart for Humanity, which is actually a bunch of Christian ladies that knew damn well I wasn't a Christian. They loved me anyway. Best Christians on the planet right there. And they would go and feed these homeless people in the park at Merced where they live. And we'd feed 80 to 100 people a weekend. And so we would go over there with my golf cart and we'd deliver water and bananas and stuff like that and then help them feed these homeless people. And there was a guy that used to, he used to take a shower at our house and different stuff, you know, just stuff like that. And so when we came back here, we had the golf cart because I was doing security and all kinds of other things over there. And I would take the dogs out for rides. And I left my house and I couldn't find anywhere within like a mile square radius that didn't have trash on the road. So I just started picking it up. And someone was all, 
well, dude, like you picked up a lot of trash. And I, and I was like, yeah. And they were like, are you keeping track of the dump receipts? And I was like, well, I have a few. And then like someone else was like, well, I have a bunch of properties and I don't need this dump receipt or this dump card so you can have it. And then I saw so I had free dump privilege at that point. And I was like, well, shit, dude, I got a 40 foot trailer. And so I went out to Giant Rock and I cleaned up three, 38, 3,800 pounds of trash, nails and glass. And, and uh, uh, my buddy on Facebook, that next day it was a, it was a slab for a, uh, an old homestead and I cleaned it all off. And they were parked on it with their RV and their kids were playing and they, and they, uh, they uh, were using the fire pit that we cleaned out and everything. And I was like, that is so cool. And so we just kept doing it. And then my wife was like, oh, we should name it this. And I kept all my dump receipts. And yeah, we're at like, oh, what was it? 35 or 36 tons or something. It was, what was it? I don't even remember, man. That's awesome. So, uh, 51,300 pounds last year. And then this year I'm over 18,000. So yeah, it's, and it's, I mean, it's easy. I pick up a, a thousand pounds and, 20 30 minutes i got it pretty down so depending on what construction <laughs> is but like i cut up some cars and you know i removed uh graffiti from uh blm land and and this guy from orange county came and painted the whole fucking rock and i went out there and took it all off and, and uh i do a lot of stuff like that I pick up all the nails from people burning pallets i have 500 pounds of nails on the side of my house so i'm gonna get it to like a thousand and then take it to the dump you know so I just, you've only got 11 more years right yeah yeah it's pretty easy I, I guarantee you i'll do it by the end of this year like it's not even i mean it's just what it is it's it you just do it it's like going to meetings or doing steps it's like well i'm just gonna do this and and people are like why because I, I can't you know what i mean i got a free truck some dude owed me money i went and took a truck from him like that's the right thing to do right i need a four-wheel drive truck you owe me money you want a barter yeah here gave it to me there you go like, you know what I mean? Some other dude, hey, you got a pipe rack. Uh, I'll take this trash out of your backyard. You know, got a pipe rack, like need some tires, you know, got some donations, got some, some tires. Like now the guy at the tire shop gives me tires. The guy at the tent shop wants to tent my truck for me. Like I didn't want any of this shit. You know what I mean? Like the people from Orange County came and gave me $700. And there was like 50 or 60 of them. And they were like, hey, thanks for doing what you're doing. And I'm out there cutting up cars. You know, and the sheriff guy gave me the torches. The other guy, the cliffhanger guides are rock crawler people. They gave me the torch tips. They paid my insurance and registration all last year. And most of my gas money all last year. Like every month they come by and give me like 100, 150 bucks. And it was like, dude, you know what I mean? They had like charity events for us. Like we've been to music shows because of it. I was at freaking some music concert down in, san diego and some girls are oh you're the trash people and just handed us like 28 dollars worth of pizza from the pizza booth i was like yes dude <laughs> like my karma is becoming neutral Wait, <laughs> it only took eight years like <laughs> i'm almost karmatically neutral <laughs> probably not even close probably um, not even <laughs> it's a good thing it's a good thing to strive for man and that's i just uh, i think it's amazing and i'm i'm thank you for for your time now and you know we got to meet back in November and it was really awesome. Then it's awesome to hear you now. And it's really, um, it's just, it's a great, it's a great story. And it's, it's not, not everybody gets to 
I'm still working on receiving those gifts myself, you know? So it's, it's, it's great to hear that putting in the work garners results oh, and yeah. only putting in the work. Literally yeah. like every day, like it. So I don't know how to put in work. Okay. So I had to, every day I had to like, think about it. And when I first started, I was like, look, and this is after like three or four years in the program, I was like, okay, if I can just do one positive thing for myself and one positive thing for someone else, I win. Mm -hmm. And like, because like every day, right, I'm trying to do everything, bro. I want to rebuild my truck. I want to clean my house. I want my laundry done. I want my backyard cleaned. I also need to go to work for eight hours. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to do everything all the time, especially when I was new. So the hardest thing for me was just to win every day, if that makes sense. Like, like I was like, well, if I don't do everything on this stupid list that's 14 feet long, then I lose. Like, oh, oh, oh what am I going to do? I didn't, I didn't change the tires today. Well, there's always tomorrow. Like, I was literally living every day like it was the only day. Like, they say one day at a time. Well, shit, dude, I was taking that real personal, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm dying tomorrow. We got to get this shit done, you know? Like, so if I can just do one positive thing for somebody and one for myself, and that's like, Dude, if you're like, I deal with chronic depression, bro. And the only way I could get out was doing stuff for other people. That was it. Yeah. And so for me, one positive thing for someone else was like cleaning the house for, you know, my girlfriend's mom, who I lived with when I got out of jail, you know, that was it. And if they're bitching about it, oh, well, dude, I did my part, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I did my part, you know, and then for me, it would go to an AA meeting or try to finish one of a, a small project and then it just evolved you know it took it's almost taken a decade dude and i still am totally not getting it like i only get it every once in a while <laughs> and i'm all holy cow and then i'm and then you know and then i'm fucked up for a week and then i'm like wait wait that, oh yeah, yeah yeah you know so it's not every day you just caught me on right. a good one well i'm i'm glad thank you so much colin that's awesome like i i appreciate it and it's 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 good to hear from you and i'm glad that we've kept in contact over the last well, you know, that I've had your number and was able to reach out to you and do this. Yeah. Cool, cool. man. But you can bleep me because I cuss a lot. I know it. <laughs> I, I don't mind. The cussing's fine. We don't All have a right. problem with that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> no, I pretty much speak from the heart okay. every time and just yeah. try to tell my truth every time. And I used to be brutally honest. Now I'm trying to be rigorously honest. Like, so. <laughs> well, I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> right cool, on, man. man. Well, thank you. Have, have a good fun. day. You too. Stay safe. All right, you too. Later. Bye. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs>